Welcome to Ghostly. Did a UFO crash in Roswell, New Mexico? Ghostly is a podcast that comes out every other week. In each episode, we take a ghost story or paranormal event and look into its complete history. Pat then gives us evidence proving the story is real. My job is to debate those pieces of evidence and get you, the listener, prepared to vote on if it's real or not. If you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. I'm your host, Rebecca, and he's Pat. Wow, this seems weird. Was there something off about that? It, it seems just different for some reason. Yeah. I, I can't put my finger on what something it is. Something is happening. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Well, actually, I kind of do know. <laughs> Today is an opposite day episode. What? No, what? <laughs> that means that I'm going to be doing the hashtag Rebecca Facts. Ah. And Pat is going to be leading the debate. Yes, I'm going to. <laughs> That's because this episode is about Roswell and what happened in 1947 when something, a flying saucer, a weather balloon, landed on a rancher's land 75 miles outside of Roswell, New Mexico. While Pat is a true believer when it comes to aliens, I am not. So we'll see if he can convince me. Uh, all right, all right. I don't know if I'm a true believer, but I believe more. I'm stating that you are a true believer. <laughs> I'm not a true believer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, always want to mention there are two ways to get a shout out on Ghostly. The first way is to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we always prefer the five-star reviews, but we'll read any and all reviews that we receive. It's a great way to help people find us. The second way is to become a member on Patreon. Just go to ghostlypodcast.com and click on Patreon in the menu bar. We have a few different tiers to choose from, from $1 to $10. And you get, for like a really cheap price, you get double the ghostly. Yeah. I mean, definitely. really, it's ghostly X, ghostly extra. Yeah. We do a lot of fun, extra ghostly stuff. Yeah. And, you know, they um, it, it ranges in what we do. Like, it's not always an interview like we've been doing. We've We've done some other things. We had one day... We just played games that were really fun. Yeah, it was super fun. Yeah. And uh and we yeah. We do have a good time on Ghostly X. We can let our let our hair down a little bit. Well, I can't. <laughs> let your beard down a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I, I let my beard there, down. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. And you know, honestly, our Patreon supporters are what enable us to be able to to keep doing this and to grow. Yeah. Uh, we really thank all of our Patreon members. Uh, for supporting the show um you know we've been growing a lot and trying to add more and oh my gosh thinking about next year it's just some cool things <laughs> coming yeah and uh and you even even the rest of this year there's some cool I things. Gonna, well yeah we're coming <laughs> into the season people we got a lot listeners we got a lot going on it's gonna be so great yeah um but uh yeah and your support uh as patreon members is huge for us you know we we try to keep things on here focused on ghostly and, you know, we do have a couple sponsors, but they're ones that we truly believe in. Yes. Uh, we, you know, as much we as would we not can, take on a sponsor if we do not believe. Yeah. We that. don't want like to just do the random commercials, you yeah. know, that Casper that... mattress. We're not we're not going to do. you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Like all, you know, me on these. I, mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, again, I, I, you know, never say never, I suppose, but it's certainly not in the plans. And we. Oh. Although I will say that I have a MeUndies that is all ghost. It, the, yes, uh, I remember you telling me about that. I think it's, uh, I think it was, was that even before Ghostly? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I don't even remember when I got that. I don't know. I do. I've never, I don't know. I always look at the patterns and they're not what I like. But anyway, well, this is not an advertisement for something. This is no yeah. sneaky thing. <laughs> uh, we love Sinister Coffee because it's amazing. And we love Tarot by Ta, right? Yeah, Those are absolutely. two things we love. But anyways, but the Patreon members, you guys are the ones that keep us going and enable us to do this. And we have a lot of future plans. So we really love the support. So thank you for joining. And if you haven't yet, you know what? It's the spooky season. It's time to treat yourself. Yeah. There's so treat much. yourself. Treat yourself. There's so much coming out. Wait, but so what are the shout outs? We don't have any. Oh, we don't? Okay. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. So you could be our shout out though. If you join Patreon, 
next episode. Or you can give us a review on Apple Podcast and we'll read that. We love all of those things. Yeah. All right. So I do have um, a listener mail. <laughs> Sorry, this is just really weird. We're, okay, we're, we're making it. We're, we're doing it. Okay. Speaking of Ta, this one is from Ta. It is. Yeah. Okay. A.K.A. Jason. Yes. I will say his real name. I'm sorry if you didn't want me to say that, but I'm going to say your real name. <laughs> uh, it began one evening in the late 90s. I was carpooling home from work with a friend, co-worker, and roommate at the time when I noticed some strange colored lights in the sky, like bright red and green flashes behind the clouds. My friend saw them too, but since he was driving... I had more freedom to really get a clear look. In bursts of lights that lasted a few seconds, at odd intervals, over several minutes, the lights just kept happening the whole way home. I remember thinking it was odd. This was such a bright, salient thing in the sky. But nobody else in traffic or on the sidewalks along the way seemed to even notice it. But my roommate and I had no doubt about what we saw. In our speculating on the ride home, we settled on it being some strange kind of lightning, and that was that. But I also made the alarming observation that it seemed to follow us. I didn't see it further ahead, behind or beyond the sky, more or less immediately near our car's path of travel. In any case, we didn't know what to make of it. So again, that was that, until later. Once home, I kept an eye on the sky for further strange lights behind the clouds. But they'd stop shortly we got inside. Puzzled, I went on with my evening until when a few hours later, my roommate called me to the back window of our apartment. Behind our apartment complex was a large undeveloped open field, hovering over the field mixed in among the clouds was a large green ball of light that had a noticeable rotation to it. By large, I mean bigger than twice as large as the moon in the sky from my perspective. There it was like floating green spear that cast, that cast strange rotating beams across the clouds. We both had several long moments to just take it in. The shape itself was a bright glare, almost too bright to directly look at it, and yet it didn't seem to cast light upon the field below or throw any light into our apartment through the window. My roommate told me he was going to see if our neighbors across the hall could also see it out their back window. In seeing him go, I saw the clock on the wall beside the door. It was 9.30-something. I turned back to the strange UFO outside and really tried to make visual sense of it. I couldn't really look right at it, but I couldn't miss the rotation of it, the effect it had on the clouds around it. But it was just baffling in every other way. A moment later, I heard my roommate calling my name as if he was searching for me. Confused by the panicked tone in his voice, I turned and called back. He rushed in and asked where I'd been. Confused, I explained, right here. He told me he'd been looking for me for nearly an hour. Of course, I looked at the clock and it was now 10.30. From my experience, my roommate left. I spent no more than a minute or so trying to make visual sense of the UFO. And then I heard him call for me. What's more, when next I went back to look out the window, the UFO was gone. No trace of it. From his perspective, he'd returned after checking on our neighbors. They weren't home, only to find I wasn't even there. According to him, upon return, the UFO was still out there, but I wasn't in the room he'd left me. So he began to run around nearby and outside, with growing panic, looking for where I went. According to him, he returned to, he returned to the apartment, didn't see me at the back window, began calling me in the apartment, and then suddenly I was back by the back window, replying to him, 
To him, I was basically gone, but somehow reappeared after an hour or so. I was dumbfounded. To this day, I still am. I had a continuous waking experience. My memory reflects nothing more or less than the experience of just watching the UFO for a minute after my roommate left to check on the neighbors. I had no recollection of passing out or moving. I was standing in exactly the same place in front of the window that he left me per my experience. Of course, all this freaked me out big time. This is not the end. There is more to this story next time. Ooh. Yeah, right? Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. was not expecting that. Are you a believer yet, Rebecca? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I will say I am open to the concept. I am not sure about Roswell, so we're going to see about that. I'm, I'm curious to see your, uh, hear your evidence, I should say. Um, but I'm open to the concept of aliens. I'm yeah. just not as convinced, you know. Okay, all right, all right. We always want to hear your stories. To send us a story, you can email us at info at ghostlypodcast.com or use the contact us form at ghostlypodcast.com. Or, of course, we love to get your physical mail. So you can send us your ghost stories through the mail at P.O. Box 264, Geneva, Illinois, 60134. And, of course, you may not remember any of that. So just go to ghostlypodcast.com and scroll to the bottom. It's in the footer, yeah. Anytime. All right, Rebecca, it's time for the polls. I don't like the polls. All right, well, then we just won't do them. I've been losing lately. We just won't do them then, Rebecca. That's fine. (laughs) I'm just kidding. We have to do the polls. I was just going to say, it is your job. (laughs) To do the polls. To do the polls. All right. I mean, it's really been frustrating lately. The believers, we have not been coming out on top. So, you know, but Tombstone... All right. Well, anyways, you go yeah. ahead. So in our last episode, as Rebecca just said, we talked about Tombstone, Arizona, and the poll results are in. 73.7% said yes. Ooh. 26.3% said no. Yes. I finally won one. Yeah. It's what's, been a while. What's the overall rating now? Yeah, sorry. Overall rating of how haunted it is is five point seven four. <laughs> okay, and wow. uh, that's pretty high for us. Actually, yeah. that that's pretty haunted. Yeah, I mean that it's over average. It's over average, definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so I do have a ghost story for us. Oh, I'm I okay. So well, I mean, let's see if I can keep up with the Rebecca ghost story. This one is not a Rebecca ghost story. It's time for a spooky tale from Rebecca. Tell me everything. All right, I'm going to tell you all that I know. I was working in a funeral home in Roswell, New Mexico. I, I had just finished lunch when when the phone rang. I answered it, and, and it was someone that I had never talked to before. It was from Roswell Army Airfield Mortuary. Uh, they asked me questions about small caskets, like four feet or slightly less. Then... The man asked if I had any that were hermetically sealed, which, I mean, that's an odd question. Not many people ask for them. He asked how many I had on hand. I I, I told him that I had two, and he seemed to want more. He asked how long would it take to get more. I I, I told him that I had to make a phone call right away, and, and that... If I did, I can get them by 6 a.m. the next morning. But then I asked why he was asking for this. And he told me, we're just having a conference here about the future. In case something happens, they may need a lot of them. I thought it was weird, but continued doing my job. 
Then 45 minutes later, I got another call from the same person, this time asking how to preserve bodies from a crash site and about the embalming procedure. The weird question, though, was if the embalming procedure would change the stomach contents. I I told him to call a pathologist because sometimes there's legal issues if the body was not preserved in a specific way. I hung up, and then 45 minutes later, I got, I got a call again asking for an ambulance. This was something that we did at this time. Um, there was an airman that got hurt on a motorcycle, so I, I picked him up, and, and I gave him first aid, and I was instructed to bring him to the airfield. When I got there, there were already three old Army field ambulances parked there. I looked in the first ambulance and saw what looked like a canoe leaning up against the side of the open ambulance door. It was roughly about four feet tall, and and there was wreckage all around it, and and I saw weird-looking symbols on the wreckage. I went into Army base looking to get a signature and a Coke. And I needed the signature to get paid. There was a lot of commotion going on from all these officers that were inside the base. And I didn't know any of them, which was weird. They were actually really secretive when they saw me and got the MPs to escort me out. And that was weird too, because I have a contract with the base and they usually let me in without a problem. Then someone called and asked them to bring me over to them. It was this huge man, and he started poking his fingers into my chest, saying that you didn't see anything, and, and told me to start, told me not to start any rumors in Roswell. That it was all just a car accident. But I saw a nurse that I knew. She was very upset and seemed kind of sick. When I got home, I was worried about the nurse, so I called her, and she told me that she was just really sick, but she needed to talk to me, and she asked if I could meet her at the officer's club. Why, I drove right over, and she told me about the bodies. They only had four fingers, and they didn't have any teeth. They only had one ear canal, no earlobe at all. Their eyes were very, very large, and the heads were really big too. The skulls were flexible like a newborn, and they were about three and a half to four feet tall. She drew me some pictures, and um, then she told me that the doctor said there was nothing in the medical textbooks to cover what they had. She also had overheard them saying that the bodies were found with or in some wreckage two or three miles from where everything else was located. She left, and and I tried to call her for the next couple days, but no answer. And then Captain Wilson told me that she'd been shipped out. I found out later that she died. But when I brought it up years later to a reporter, he said that they couldn't find any record that this nurse had ever existed. Whoa. (laughs) Bam. Bam. Is she a ghost? No, she's not a ghost. (laughs) Did I do okay? You did. You did great. So uh, how much of that was made up? Because it, it sounded all made up to me. Yeah, none of it was made up by me. (laughs) Um, this was all a um an account from a mortician that worked in roswell so are we going to talk about this later then no actually we're not this is it we're going to talk about it you want me to debate it now because this seems silly um no need this is just my ghost story oh okay this is just my alien story Uh uh-huh (laughs) (laughs) all right well it's it seems like it's time for a break and then when we get back it's gonna be time for the pet facts no the rebecca facts the rebecca facts yeah i'm not doing the history nope 
啊。Pat, what do creepy stories, funny ghost memes, and inside ghostly information have in common? Um, my life. <laughs> well, yes, but no, <laughs> it's also Ghostly Society on Facebook. Oh yeah, I mean that too, of course.、I'm, but aren't all ghostly listeners in Ghostly Society? Not yet. What? I mean, that means that they're missing out on all my jokes. Yeah, they are, and missing out on chatting and sharing with other listeners and us, of course. We love talking to our listeners. If you haven't yet, you should consider joining our private group on Facebook called Ghostly Society. Let's hope now they will. Unless they're a woman in white. All right, we are back. The Rebecca facts. I'm sorry. The Pat facts are sponsored by Tarot by Ta. Ta is a professional tarot card reader with over 20 years of experience. He reads at numerous public events, private parties, and personal appointments throughout the greater Chicagoland area. He also does readings worldwide using online services like Zoom. And the best part, he's hashtag Team Skeptic, Rebecca.、Uh -huh. <laughs> to find out more about Ta, visit and like his Facebook page at facebook.com slash tarot by Ta. Yeah, and he just gave us that really nice、uh, listener mail. I、uh, thank you so much for the listener mail. It's great, and I cannot wait to read the second half. Yeah. In,、uh, in a future episode. Hopefully, future next episode, episode a、yeah. future episode. We'll see. Because、uh, there is more to that story. All right, it's time to get into the Rebecca facts. So. Let's start with a brief history of Roswell itself, and then we'll get into the Roswell incident as it has come to be known. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So,、uh, Roswell had the first non-indigenous settlers came from Missouri、um, in 1865, but it, it didn't work. They couldn't find water. So, I mean, there were people there, but they didn't stay.、Um, but In 1869, Van C. Smith, a businessman from、uh, Omaha, Nebraska, came with his partner Aaron Wilburn, and they constructed two adobe buildings that basically began what is now Roswell. Oh, the two buildings became the settlement's general store, post office, and sleeping quarters for paying guests. In 1871, so this is like right after Civil War, right?、Yeah. Yes. Um, in 1871,、um, Smith filed a claim with the federal government for the land around the two buildings, and on August 20th, 1873, he became the first postmaster, which is pretty much what you need to make a town, right? You just you need you a need, postmaster. Yeah, basically.、Okay. <laughs> I mean, seriously. You don't history, need a mattress firm. <laughs> I think that probably would be <laughs> today. That would be critical. Yeah, yeah exactly.、Okay. Now, here's just the little thing is. Smith was the son of Roswell Smith,、mm. a prominent lawyer in Lafayette, Indiana, and Annie Ellsworth, daughter of U.S. Patent Commissioner、um, Henry Levitt Ellsworth. He called the town Roswell after his father's first name. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So that's how、I'd, Roswell got there. I had no idea. It's just like some rich guy in Indiana's、uh, first name. I thought it was like a Native American thing or something. Yeah, like that. no. Wow. Okay, no. that's interesting. When we when white people wipe out history, <laughs> we wipe it all out. All right.、Uh, and sorry, it's not funny at all.、Uh, in 1877, Captain Joseph、uh, Callaway Lee、um, and his family bought out Smith and Wilburn's claim. And they became the owners of most of the land in Roswell and the area around it, and pretty much, you know, they it's been pretty quiet.、Um, 
there was the um, Lincoln County War that happened. They didn't really oh, yeah. take a part of that too much. That was uh, Billy the Kid, right? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I've heard of it, but that sounds right. That was Billy the Kid. Yeah. I'll believe you. Um, there was, they because remember earlier, the people first didn't stay because they didn't find water. Mm. Um, there was a major aquifer discovered. Um, when it was, um, yes, a merchant was drilling in his backyard in 1890. Mm. So pretty much that was like boom, big growth, essentially. And that was after Billy the Kid, maybe. Yes. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, okay. Right, because we, as we all know, as we we learned, he could still be out there today. No, not today. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the railroad came into town in 1892, which kept it growing, um, and then. Uh, just an odd thing uh, during World War II, there was a German prisoner of war camp located nearby. Oh, and they came. Were and... they like Japanese or something? No, or... no, there were German prisoners of war there. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah. So I guess there were some that we brought here and kept them. Wow, here because I know that we did that with the Japanese. So that's... Oh, right, yeah, these were. I don't believe. <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, I think German Americans are probably not trusted, but as white people, they they were not put <laughs> into Aww. camps. Um, but I think these were actual Germans that oh, we, okay. we, we brought over. Interesting. Um, so, anyways, they helped with things to build the town, and you know, um, it, anyways, it they, it's been around for a while. There was a, it was, it's been a. Location of military importance, I guess we still think of it that way, but the main years were 1941 to 1967 mm. um, when the Walker Air Force Base was decommissioned. Um, pretty much since then, it's got a good climate. They reinvent themselves as a retirement community, and it's all about the aliens. What? No. <laughs> so, yeah, they definitely like to, uh, you know, they have like a... Um, like a a crash site or like a like there's like a car with people like people quote unquote that you see when you drive in I guess and um you know it, just a lot of um alien things I know there's like flying saucers on sticks or not sticks but like <laughs> flying saucers <laughs> on sticks <laughs> like towers oh, you know okay. what I mean like it's like a, a so there's sticks in a way. <laughs> Just kind of, you know, like much taller than a stick would be. What made out of made out of metal? Okay. Whatever sticks made out of metal. Yeah, Those metal sticks. Yes, yes. I'm not sure what to call them, <laughs> uh, but anyway. So it's really been, uh, you know, kind of a big source of revenue for them. Um, so yeah, but it, it's lots of alien stuff if you go to Roswell. Okay. All right. So let's let's get to the real stuff here, right? Yeah. So that's the history let's get of the, to the town. meat in the potatoes. There you go, or uh, just the potatoes if you're vegetarian. Uh, yes, of yeah. course. Uh, maybe get some beans or something in there. Yeah. All right. The summer of 1947 has been called the summer of the flying saucer. Mm. So while uh, <laughs> 1947 proved to be the height of flying saucer mania, reports of what by 1953 we would start to call UFOs. So they didn't really call them UFOs in 1947, basically. Oh, interesting. Um, but they've just, they kept pouring in. So basically, there were at least 6,500 reports of sightings in the U.S. from 1947 to 1960. Wow. But 1947 was like the start. There's just a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. Okay. So one of the most famous of these sightings was in Roswell. It was, yeah. Yeah. In June 1947, a rancher named W.W. Mac Brazel was out working on his land when he found some strange debris. The material included tinfoil, rubber strips, and sticks. He didn't think much of it and moved it under some brush. He was pretty off grid, and he actually hadn't heard of any of the other flying saucer stories happening around the country at that point. Mm. So he didn't look at it and go, this must be a flying saucer, because he didn't... He had never heard of such a thing, sure. basically. So he wasn't aware, like, so I'm just going to give a couple of the stories that were out there. He wasn't aware that on June 24th, pilot Kenneth Arnold claimed to have seen one uh, nine unidentified objects, quote, flying li like a saucer would across water near Mount Rainier, Washington. Arnold estimated that the objects were flying at around 1,200 miles per hour, Arnold was reported as saying in the East Orgo or 
Oregonian. There you go. I can say that. Um, <laughs> but at the time, there were no craft that could reach those speeds. The Air Force also said it had no new experimental planes or guided missiles that would fit such a description, according to the U.S. Department of Defense. That story became front page news and the term flying saucer was born, despite mm. Arnold describing the flying objects as crescent shape. <laughs> okay. Okay. So by July 7th, policemen and astronomers were reportedly being harassed for further reports. Um, this time, the people from New York and other eastern states were claiming to see flying saucers. And so um, by this date... Brazel had finally heard about these other sightings. So we don't know exactly what day he heard about it or exactly what day he found the debris, but sometime before July 7th, he found the debris. And sometime either on July 7th or just before that, he learned about these flying saucers. Mm. So he decided maybe the, that strange stuff I found could be a part of the sightings. So he brought a box with samples of the items to the local Roswell sheriff, George Wilcox. Wilcox decided to reach out to the Roswell Army Air For Airfield, the RAAF. The RAF? The RAF. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, first assigned to Major Jesse Marcel, who went with Brazel to see the site and the materials. Brazel and Marcel gathered up more materials. I think they thought, they, or they hoped they collected, I think, most of it. And Marcel took it home with him. On Tuesday morning, July 8th, Marcel took the materials to the base commander, Colonel William Blanchard, who then reported it to General Roger Ramey at the Fort Worth Army Airfield. General Ramey ordered the material to be brought to Fort Worth like right away. Mm -hmm. And... Basically, Marcel got on like a B-29, some big <laughs> plane, and flew with the material to Fort Worth that day. Also, though, on July 8th, RAF Public Information Officer Walter Haunt, H-A-U-T, Haunt, Haunt, Walter Haunt, issued- Not Haunt, Rebecca. Stop <laughs> thinking about hauntings. A press release uh, was released that made an impression. Um, do you want to read the press release? Yes. The many rumors regarding the flying disks became a reality yesterday when the intelligence office of the 509th Bomb Group of the 8th Air Force, Roswell Army Airfield, was fortunate enough to gain possession of a disk through the cooperation of one of the local ranchers in the sheriff's office of Chavez County. The flying object landed on a ranch near Roswell sometime last week. Not having phone facilities, the rancher stored the disc until such time as he was able to contact the sheriff's office, who in turn notified Major Jesse A. Marcel of the 509th Bomb Group Intelligence Office. Action was immediately taken and the disc was picked up at the rancher's home. It was inspected at the Roswell Army Airfield and subsequently loaned by Major Marcel to higher headquarters. Dun, dun, dun. So I didn't realize the whole thing was a quote. The I whole thing is a quote. Like... I'm sorry, I didn't use the quote. <laughs> All right. So now there's, I don't want, I don't know how much to talk about some of this stuff because I don't know what your evidence is going to be. <laughs> yeah, you told me not to look at things, so I didn't. You know, there's definitely um, some people saying that they, that, they were upset with him for releasing this statement and others that say, oh, yeah, that was totally done on purpose as a deflection or whatever. There's a lot of stories out there about it. But the word flying saucer was said <laughs> in a public mm -hmm. by a public information officer of the RAAF. As soon as Major Marcel brought the material to General Ramey's office, both Ramey and his chief of staff, Colonel uh, Thomas Du Bois, uh, identified the material as pieces of a weather balloon kite. Hmm. The FWAAF, the Fort Worth Air Force <laughs> Air Base uh, weather officer on duty, explained to reporters that such ray wind devices were used at about 80 weather stations across the country. The balloons were attached to six-pointed reflective device that looked like a silver star. After launch, the balloon expanded with increasing altitude before bursting at around 60,000 feet with the pieces dispersing in their fall to the ground. Hmm. 
So this was described on July 9th, 1947, um, in the Roswell Daily Record. It says, quote, the balloon which held it up, if that was how it worked, must have been about 12 feet long. Um, Brazel felt measuring the distance by the size of the room in which he sat. The rubber was smoky gray in color and scattered over an area about 200 yards in diameter. When the debris was gathered up, the tinfoil paper, tape, and sticks made a bundle about three feet long and seven or eight inches thick, while the rubber made a bundle about 18 or 20 inches long and about eight inches thick. In all, he estimated the entire lot would have weighed about five pounds. There was no sign of any metal in the area which might have been used for an engine and no sign of any propellers of any kind, although at least one paper fin had been glued onto some of the tinfoil. There were no words to be found anywhere on the instrument, although there were letters on some of the parts. Considerable scotch tape and some tape with flowers printed upon it had been used in the construction. No strings or wires. Use tape that had flowers on it? I don't know. (laughs) No strings or wires were to be found, but there were some eyelets in the paper to indicate that some sort of attachment may have been used. (laughs) So, again, this is like the description in the paper. Um, Like supposedly they had talked to Brazel. Um, The following day, the Roswell Daily Record ran a story about the crash and the claim about the weather balloon. Um, But the U.S. Army officials quickly, oh, sorry, they they released the thing about the flying saucer, but they, you know, they reversed it. They put out the thing about the weather balloon and they released photographs of Major Marcel posing with pieces of the supposed weather balloon debris as proof. People pretty much accepted this whole weather balloon explanation, and most people moved on. Interest was renewed, however, in 1978 and in 1980, when Stanton Friedman, a UFO researcher, interviewed Major Marcel, who claimed that the material was not from this world and that he had been ordered to keep quiet. There was also a book published in 1980 by Charles Berlitz and William Moore called The Roswell Incident, inspired by Friedman's research. Since then, people have asked questions and speculated on what really happened. Now, I have one more piece of information. Okay. Which was from 1994. Mm -hmm. So the government came out in 1994 and said, well, maybe it wasn't a weather balloon. Hmm. <laughs> Instead, they say that it might have, and it is weird. They do say like it might have come from a spy device created mm. for an until then classified project called Project Mogul. The device, a connected string of high altitude balloons equipped with microphones, was designed to float furtively over the USSR, detecting sound waves at a stealth distance. These balloons would ostensibly monitor the Soviet government's attempt at their own testing of an atomic bomb. Because Project Mogul was a covert operation, basically they released the weather balloon story because they didn't want any details of spy stuff out there. Okay. All right. So that was a lot of history. I think it's time to take a break and then we'll get to the debate. Okay, great. last year, things have been really tough for theater groups. Rebecca and I belong to a production company and theater group called Memoriam Development. Memoriam has several podcasts that we are often on, and several members have been on Ghostly, like Nick, Amanda, and of course, Bob from Bob After Dark. And we have also been in several of their live shows. Obviously, those couldn't happen this last year. So Memoriam has taken one of their most popular shows, the horror anthology Nightshade, and made it digital. They're available to everyone, and you can access them at any time. They've been fantastically spooky, I I gotta say. Right up our ghostly listeners' alley. Live theater is something close to our hearts, and we can't wait to get back to it when we get the all clear. But until then, check out Nightshade and support this Chicago theater group that gives local talent a place to shine. And please consider showing some ghostly love and liking Memoriam Development on all the social medias to find out even more. Thank you. 
Memoriam Development. Rebecca, we're back. Are you ready to debate this? Let's let's do it. I'm I'm ready. All right. A lot of things I'm going to bring up are mentioned in your history, um, but the first piece of evidence that I want to talk about is on July eighth, nineteen forty seven, Roswell Army Airfield issued a press release stating that they had recovered a flying disc. So I mean, yeah, it does seem pretty crazy that the army itself released. This statement, I mean, for me, though, it I have to say this is the hardest one for me to, like, come out against. Sure. Because it is really weird. You know, why would they do this? You know, um, the only explanation that I found was um, that basically there's like this... Um, I don't know. I forget. There was like a former, former like army guy. And he was basically like saying that he thought they would have put that out there potentially to like distract people from like the fact that it was the spy stuff essentially. Like, so this is something that came out like after the spy thing came out um, that, that he thought that the army did it in order to again, kind of like distract people from like oh don't look at our spy gear that we have um i don't know to me it's that or it's just like somebody that had like some sort of overactive imagination or like wanted wanted limelight or something i I don't know it's 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 a weird it is a weird thing okay and but i would also say that they've also trademarked all of that they've trademarked it yes the army Yes. Or whatever, the Air Force, whatever it is. Yes. What do you the mean? The government they- has trademarked that particular headline. Oh, the flying That disc? I can't read out the exact headline. Wow. And I cannot read out the article. Oh, interesting. Because they've trademarked it. That's weird. Yeah. Why do you think they did, though? Like Because there was a flying disc. I mean, I guess I will just say like flying disc. I don't say flying saucer. Like it could be like, you know, they're just like, okay, we don't want to talk about the the weather balloon or the, in this case, I think that was the excuse they came up later. It was the spy thing. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a flying disc that we found. But also this is in the age of the flying saucer, you had said. Yes. So why would they cause mass hysteria? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think someone thought that it would be a better choice. And then once they realized, oh, we actually just made everything worse. I mean, I, I guess this all comes down to all of the debating will come down to what's up with the cover up? Mm-hmm. Why so many levels of cover up in this particular thing? Mm-hmm. If it was a weather balloon, like it really was, show us weather balloons that are similar to that. You know, and they can't, they don't. And if it is this thing that they were going to use to monitor the nuclear actions of Russia, which seems like it might be plausible to some degree, but I mean, this was in the 40s. They could show us what that was. Well, I think it just, ne- well, I don't know. I think even. I, I don't know. They don't like to show their technology even even now, but my guess is that it don't work. Yeah. That's why they don't want to share it, but I don't know. That's all right. So, what is your rating? Then? So, my rating for this one is actually so um, I- I'm gonna say a three, because like, I-, I I do have a hard time uh, like totally disputing it, but it also feels like human error. 
All right, I'm going to go with a five on this one. Oh. Yeah, um, because, you know, I do believe it could be human error. I'm just concerned with all the cover-up and the U.S. military, they're really precise on what they what they say. You know, like, there are times when they might make a blunder, but they're usually pretty precise about it. After something like this, you would think that they would have, you know, all gotten together and figured out some kind of story that they were going to tell and stuck with that story. Mm-hmm. But it changed several times. Mm-hmm. So, okay, well... The next piece of evidence that I have, and you had talked about this a little bit, um, this is kind of like a two-part thing. Okay. Okay. So the this first one is going to be my evidence number two. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the late seventies, Lieutenant Colonel Jesse Marcel, you had mentioned Mm -hmm. him. He was one of the people that had the debris. He gave an, an interview with the with the UFOologist. Stanton Friedman, where he said that he believed the debris that he collected was from a UFO. He said that the material that was recovered was nothing made on this earth. Bill Brazel, which is the son of the rancher Mac Brazel, Mm -hmm. um, their neighbor Floyd Proctor, and Walt Whitman Jr., which is not who you okay, think. Okay, I was going to say, wait a minute. <laughs> it's, he's a son of a newsman, um, W.E. Whitman. Okay. Uh, who actually did one of the interviews with Mac Brazel, mm-hmm. uh, said that the debris material was collected and it seemed to have super strength, not associated with a common weather balloon. Mm-hmm. So like that started me thinking about, like when I, when I think about it, it looked like aluminum foil to a degree, but then I like I was like maybe that was when aluminum foil started being used and they weren't just aware of it. But aluminum foil was used um, as early as 1916. Mm. It became commercially available at that point. So I don't think it could be that. I mean, what kind of material like that would they have never have seen and had super strength? Well, again, I guess I can only go back to the idea that it was some sort of spy thing that was new and they were building it. And no, it wasn't something, you know, that regular people had seen before. Um, Or since, because, you know, they're still sticking with this story. mm -hmm. The people involved, they never changed their story with this. Yeah. Again, yeah, I mean, I'm going to kind of go a little bit with what you've talked about, which is before with ghosts, turn it around a little bit, you know, getting your name in the newspaper, get your name in a book. It's pretty exciting. So going back to. But a a, um, somebody that was a, a lieutenant colonel. I, you know, I mean, people just because they're in the, uh, the the service doesn't mean that they're not years later, um, you know, potentially going to do that. But, I, you know, I hate to say that about people, especially because I don't think any of them made money um, from from telling their story. So, I, I, you know, for me, it's it is more like, yeah, it was like at the time their their minds were like there's flying saucers everywhere. Everyone's reporting all of this. And also, it's like some spy thing that they had never seen before. So okay. All right. that's where I'm going. Um, so what would you rate this well, one? You're the one who has to oh, do the I rating have to go first. first. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, I'm going to give this one a, a one. A one. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to give it a four. Okay. You're supposed to be me, remember? <laughs> so that means, you know, you, you, can, you can go higher with your yeah, rating. I, I understand that. I understand that. <laughs> Um, all right, so as I said, the next piece of evidence mm-hmm. is kind of related to that. So there was a picture that you had mentioned mm-hmm. taken of the debris, and uh, one had Marcel posing with it. Somehow, Marcel claims that the pictured debris was not the debris that was collected, and that the photo had been doctored, and the debris was substituted with that of a weather device. And I have the picture for you there, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll put it in our show notes. Yes. Um, and then in 1991, retired U.S. Air Force Brigadier General, so that's really high, Brigadier uh-huh. General, Thomas 
um, DuBose, um, who had posed with debris for the press photograph in 1947, because he also did that too. Mm-hmm. Um, he publicly acknowledged that the weather balloon cover story, uh, and he totally cooperated with um, Marcel's previous admission. So, I mean, looking at the photo, to me, it definitely looks like tinfoil. You know what I mean? Like, it looks like kind of the, like, I mean, what's listed when they talk about, you know, what what, what they found. And, and nothing about it looks unearthly. Nothing about it looks like, oh, what's that? I've never seen such a thing. Um, so, you know, if we if we go with the idea that they were, in fact... Um, but like staging this photo that that is not like what they actually found in the woods, let's say, or whatever it is on the fields. Um, then I would say again that the weather balloon stuff they did admit was a cover story in the nineties. You know that they said it was a spy thing, and so just at the time, yeah, they didn't want them. They just po- they just that was the cover up. That was the story that they gave. But again, why all this cover up stuff though? It's like that is the ultimate thing there is that you can debate the little pieces of it, but when it's all put together and it is a cover up, I don't know. I just feel like if this was a ghost, you would be at a 10 at this point. <laughs> all right, so what is your what is your rating? Uh so my rating for this one is it yeah, it's, it's a 1. I mean, again, it's like nothing in that picture looks um, like unearthly, and if it is it, that they switched it out, it's like, well, they've given us their reason for why they switched it out. Yeah, well, I'm gonna go three on this one, um, <laughs> because yeah, it's kind of a weird thing, but you know, I still there's something with this though. It's like the cover up aspect of it just gets me. Okay. And here's the next piece of evidence, and I said that we weren't going to debate this, but we are. Okay. Um, so UFO crash at Roswell, 1991, um, was a book, I believe, and it prominently, prominently featured the stories of the mortician Glenn Dennis on September 20th, 1989, an episode of unsolved mysteries. You liked unsolved mysteries, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, had included secondhand stories of Barney Barnett seeing alien bodies captured by the army. Mortician Dennis had called the show's hotline, claiming to have knowledge of the events. Dennis claimed to have received four or five calls from the airbase with questions about body preservation and inquiries about small or hermetically sealed caskets. And he further claimed that a local nurse told him that she had witnessed an alien autopsy. And then later they went to go... Um, you know, they looked up her name and she never existed. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I just have to say like, so it's 1991 or, you know, 1989, this Unsolved Mysteries. It's like, we just got these people that want to be part of the story. They just, they really want to be important. And I mean, why, why not say anything at the time? Like, why wait to tell this story about these caskets? And I mean, when everything was coming out right then and people were all excited about it, like people would have been excited to hear your story back then. Well, I think like, okay, I I mean, I totally agree, but he was also afraid for his life. Oh, like that the, that the Air Force was going to come after him? Yes, uh, but why in 89 was he all of a sudden like, yeah, no, they're not going to say anything. Well, I mean, it was, you know, 41 years later, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, like, I don't know how long he lived uh, after that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think at that point he was willing to say, you know, I'm just going to let it out. Mm. Like yeah. I'm done. I'm done holding this secret. Or... Everyone seems to be making money on this Roswell thing. Maybe I can be part of this book. You know, it's funny because, <laughs> I mean, like, I I just feel like if I have pictures, you don't believe the pictures. Uh-huh. If I have stories, you don't believe the stories. <laughs> if I have anything, you're just like, you just don't believe it. I don't I don't understand. 
Yeah, I'm just, you know, unless I see the pictures of the alien bodies in there, and even then, pictures can be doctored up. Yeah, well, they, I mean, they had some, like with the alien autopsy video, which I think we might save if we ever do an Area 51 episode. Um, but um, that was staged, actually. And mm. they said that it was staged after um, watching a video that they saw of it. Mm. So they wanted to recreate that for television. and um, But then the original tapes were lost. Oh, convenient. Or government. Uh-huh. I'm just saying. You know, um, <laughs> okay, what is your ov- overall rating? I mean, what is your rating for this one? This one's a zero. Zero? Yeah. What? I, I just think this guy is made Rebecca. all this up. I'm sorry. All right. How well, about for you? I'm going to go two on this one. Oh, you're, you keep getting lower. <laughs> I, I don't think you understood the assignment. You know, I think that... They... <laughs> no, no. I, I, I mean, I really don't believe that there were bodies because this came out much later. And actually, there is um, conflicting stories with other people saying body things. And also, too, that the government said, well, those were, um, those were actually soldiers. Mm, bodies okay. that they were wheeling away so there were soldiers flying in this thing that they had okay remember they didn't have drone technology maybe sure. i don't know yeah but so um they're saying that so i'm gonna go low on this one okay um what is your overall rating Rebecca? Uh, no no so pat what is your overall rating <laughs> um yeah i'm gonna probably go so i'm gonna average out everything and i'm gonna say four Okay. I think that's a fair, fair. Um, yeah, I did. I did a five. I did a three. I did a two. I, I you know, yeah. I'm gonna say four. A solid four. On solid that one. four on this one. Yeah, or infinity plus. I don't know whichever. <laughs> whichever is more. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna give it a two. A two. Okay. Yeah. So, maybe there's something. You know, they're covering up something still. Maybe we don't know the whole thing. But anyways, it, it yeah, it's it's not alien. Well, I will say. Also, that previous presidents have uh, tried to expose the secrets of this Roswell thing, Mm -hmm. and they have not. They have said that they were going to do it, and then they didn't. I mean, they said they've released like thousands of pages of stuff. Yeah, but they were going to expose the secret of it, and they didn't. It's because they found out there wasn't one. But, I mean, they could have easily said it's the nuclear thing, but... We're talking both sides too, Democrats and Republicans, both alike say are saying that well, I will say the Democrats are saying more that there's really nothing you know exciting about this, and the Republicans are saying there's something to it. I don't know if this is that politically divided. I feel like that that there's people on all it sides. is if you actually look at it, there is. Well, we try not to bring politics into. I'm, ghost, I'm not. Ghostly. That's why I'm taking both sides. I'm. I'm saying what both people say. So I I'm think just all saying. of Congress has been the ones asking for all of these reports that have been coming out. None of which I've noticed. I don't know of any of. I couldn't find any articles uh, bringing up anything from those regarding Roswell. Um, I could say because it was just the 75th anniversary. So there were a few kind of newer articles out there. And yeah. Then there mm-hmm. didn't seem to have been anything released in all of the. The recent UFO stuff that came out. Okay. So. All right. Are you ready for closing argument? Oh, sorry. This brings us. Excuse me, everyone. I've mm-hmm. got to play my role. This brings us to the closing arguments. This is our last chance to convince you to vote our way. We are each given one minute of uninterrupted time. We will time each other on our cell phones to keep Pat. What? Honest. I'm always honest about my time. Uh-huh. Pat, are you ready? I am ready. Okay. And go. If we're just looking at the basic facts, um, there seems to be some issues with some of these things. But when we look at it as a whole, there seems to be issues on the other end where it just seems like, why why such a cover-up? And also, if you're going to do a cover-up, why would you want to send people into mass hysteria? in order to cover it up. It seems like that would do the opposite thing that you're trying to do. If it was a weather balloon, show us the weather balloon. Weather balloons are normal. They're not that crazy. 
Um, I just think that this is in a very interesting location where um, there wouldn't be a high population of people. And if they were going to do government experiments, that would be a great location for it. But also, there has been talk that maybe they were experimenting with some highly secretive nuclear stuff that aliens wanted to see. That's it. Whoa. Just made that there. All right, Rebecca, are you ready? I am ready. And go. All right. So I do not believe that the incident in Roswell was aliens. Um, I think absolutely that the, uh, you know, I mean, the guy when he found it was like, oh, this is kind of weird stuff. Let me just kind of move it off to the side here under like no part of him was like, yep, this is alien technology. Like, didn't think about it. But then when he saw, like, the newspaper headlines that people were seeing flying saucers everywhere, was like, huh, I wonder if I, me, just little old me, found a flying saucer. And he, like, took some materials and took it to the sheriff and was all like, hey, maybe, maybe this is one of those flying saucers, right? Now, it actually turned out, I think, that it was something. It was spy stuff. It was spy stuff that the government did not, like, think did not want people to see it probably crashed they didn't want it to um and they basically you know were like ah you know uh we can't cover this up oh, oh, or we oh, need oh, to cover oh, this oh, up you're done you're done sorry right, you tried sorry. to cheat again mm-hmm. and you call me out i just for have cheating. a lot to say in this one it's just <laughs> but, a- you, but you have to follow the rules though we're given one minute that's it <laughs> you should have said that all in the other stuff then. uh-huh Yeah, I should have. I keep thinking of more arguments. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Please share us with your friends and family as word of mouth is our best advertisement. Please remember to hit that subscribe button if you don't already subscribe and go vote, right? Go vote on whether or not you think Roswell. What was what's your question? If UFOs crashed and yeah, in Roswell, Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. I didn't say that. I just said if UFOs crashed <laughs> in, in Roswell. Roswell. Okay. Um, go ghostlypodcast.com. Uh, go to click on polls yep. or slash polls. There you go. All right. Uh, and let's thank our VIP patrons. Alicia. Um, Carrie. Becky. Natalie. Kim. Ta. Ernie. Marisol. Shayla. Cindy. Kevin. Nicole. Darnay. Jessica. Alice. Austin. Aaron. Hope. And Candy. On the next episode of Ghostly, we'll be talking about, well, we don't know. What? How do we not know? <laughs> we don't know because it's listener choice. Oh, it's our fourth listener choice. Yeah, we haven't done one in a while. And, yeah. you know, we, we, we're getting into spooky season and we want to let you guys pick an episode. Yeah, and we've gotten some really um, good episodes out of listener choice. Absolutely. Stuff that we maybe wouldn't have. Like the uh, Von Erichs thought about yeah that was a really good episode i really enjoyed that it was good it was good and you learned about wrestling yes (laughs) yes i did and you got to play bob's game i did i did get Mm -hmm. to play bob's game where we found out that i don't know wrestling names yes (laughs) absolutely um and where are they going to go to uh let us know which episode that they want they're going to go to our website ghostlypodcast.com and go to the polls yeah section i got it uh, yeah, they're going to go to the poll section and you will be able to vote for this episode and vote on what you would like our next episode to be. And when does it come out? Uh, the episode comes out September 28th. So get get out there and vote soon because I don't think the polls will be up <laughs> for too long because then we're going to have to get ready for the episode. We so. are. Yeah, we need to yeah. do the research. So we'll probably give you a week or something and then and then we got to cut that one off. But yeah, so get get on there right now. Go vote. Go vote on uh, what listener choice you want. And uh, we'll 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 see you soon. Stay ghostly. <laughs> Bye.